of all the money that e'er I have. I have spent it in good company, and of all the harm that e'er I done, unless it was to none but me, and all I've done for want of wit, to memory now I can't recall. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. So I have a really, really big announcement. Um, You're pregnant. Sam and I. I well no, <laughs> it's funny because the the next sentence that I was going to say started with Sam and I. So you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is Eight Bit Episode One Eighteen. We saw their details on Sunday, May tenth, twenty fifteen, and now between your buns, this episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker with guest Corey Lau. Yeah, no. Um, so Sam Roth and I have decided that we need to get into the the esteemed field of writing fan fictions. Uh, we've come up with an idea uh, for a Marvel Universe fan fiction called Swords, and this so this is a, a an organization that is kind of equivalent to Shield, except that uh, it's made up of a bunch of like normal people even more in the sense than than shield is made up of normal people so these are just like working class people who've decided (laughs) that all of this superhuman nonsense is really bad for the world and uh you know there's just all this destruction and people needlessly dying so they're going to pool resources and try and make the world a better place by just like tracking down people with special powers who are using them poorly and stop them the only thing going through my head right now is swords bake sales because they're going to have to have some sort of fundraising. <laughs> yeah, so the the ideas that we've come up with for them to get money is like basically they just have uh, a forum and they they attract people to their to their ideas through you know through like getting the word out on the internet and then they just ask people to donate money or or whatever and selling muffiny goodness. And they're going to like travel around in a Winnebago, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I'm sorry, guys, I can't come to work to work this week Tim, or this evening. Timmy's got a baseball game, and I promised him I'd be there. <laughs> so, did you include me in this because you want me to be one of the writers? Or, um, I mean, basically, we're just we're just throwing the ideas at, at as many people as we possibly can to. Uh, make it better or possibly to get as many terrible ideas from as many people as we can <laughs> so far the, what i what i've contributed mostly is um i came up with the character eugene who is like the 17 year old who runs the forum and he thinks that he's you know this computer genius but he really actually doesn't know all that much and uh like i'm I, sure, <laughs> except that I'm modeling. I'm modeling a lot of what he is off of the character Rat from the Core, who's the greatest 
the greatest portrayal of a computer hacker of all time. <laughs> okay. I know these look like computers. Totally not. <laughs> I still haven't seen that movie. Oh my gosh, we are going we have so much to get you caught up on. <laughs> I can do that. I mean, this sounds like stupidly fun. I I, I'm in for helping to write it and whatnot. I mean, we'll be oh, yeah. doing, actually, we'll be doing a lot of creative writing with this and with our, our story-driven podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, podcasts, it's plural. Yeah, I mean, why we, we can probably make this into a podcast, too, if we have time and feel like it. Yeah. I mean, so long as we don't make profits off of it, I don't think that we necessarily violate any copyright laws. No, I mean, I we're coming up with all new characters. Basically, we're just using the situation of you know that the Marvel universe puts the world in. Yeah, and we're saying that it it exists within the Marvel universe, so that's why it's there's a chance for it to be. Yeah, I don't know. It's fan fiction. People, you know, they don't crack they don't crack down on fan fiction. Not usually, no. Hopefully not. So what else did you do this weekend? I, I, I hear, well, I mean, I, I thought you didn't do really think anything exciting, but just in case, it'd be good to check. Yeah, no, I had some pretty normal days. I mean, you know, um, yesterday my family just came up for this little thing called commencement. And, you know, I like put on this silly cap and gown and uh, walked across the stage and got like the most expensive piece of paper that I've ever bought in my life. That's actually a very accurate way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that the the real most expensive piece of paper I'm going to get in the mail sometime later because, of course, you know, they don't actually hand you the one with your name on it on the day of of commencement. (laughs) I mean, because Davis, it's kind of funny. They they, they hand you this stuff on stage and then afterwards you go to the gym and you go to your departments and you get your degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why they mail ours out. I think it might have to do with the fact that our commencement is like you know, the day after finals finish, so final grades aren't all in. Mm. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I failed senior sem. No, I, I know for a fact that I didn't. Good, yes, good. Let the hate flow through you. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I uh, saw a bunch of people who were back in town. Um, no, I, I don't have much hate in me right now because I'm, I'm happy. I graduated. It's good. Uh. Let the fail flow through you. <laughs> and, and of course, it was Mother's Day weekend, so uh, I was like, Mom, let's go down to the bookstore and, you know, get you some more Morris-themed like paraphernalia. Picked out some, some, uh, the, some uh, picture frames and stuff. <laughs> Yay. Oh, fancy. But for the most part, she was like, yeah, just seeing your graduation was enough of a gift for me. And I was like, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, I went I went out to dinner with my mom yesterday for senior recital, or right before my senior recital. Wait, what? That's a thing? Whoa. Um, that's right. I had mine yesterday. How did that go? Um, I mean, from my perspective, there were so many things that could have gone significantly better. But everyone was telling me that they enjoyed it. So in that sense, it's a success. Yeah, and you are your worst critic, I'm sure. Yeah, because I, I know how the music is supposed to sound. Yeah, 
And I know exactly how I didn't make the music sound like it's supposed to sound. So from from the conversation that you two are having about the senior recital before we actually started the show, I gather that it's not just you playing music. It's you like put together a, a you know, like a, a series of pieces for you and a bunch of other people to play together? Kind of. Um, so senior recital is just for you to present whatever music things that you want to present for people to to, to come and enjoy. So that can be either um, you conducting, you playing, uh, you doing whatever. Um, and I mean, mine, mine had three solo pieces and three ensemble pieces. Okay. Um, the final one of which was an arrangement that I wrote. Oh. Um, of, of actually a... Uh, the reason why I put it at the end was because it's a parting song. It was actually the most popular parting song in Scotland before All My Anxiety was written. Um, do you want me to sing it the first verse? I, I can. I, I did that at the recital and people were surprised that I could actually sing. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Of all the money that here I have, I have spent it in good company. And of all the harm that here I done, unless it was to none but me, and all I've done for want of wit to memory now I can't recall, so fail to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Right. That's the one, yeah, parting glass from the end of uh, um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah. Well, they used it there, but it's been there. It's been in use. Oh, I, no, I, yeah, of course. But I'm saying, I, yeah, I was, I was not sure if it was something that I would recognize or not, but turns out it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's also in the movie Waking Ned Divine. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It's used all over the movie Waking Ned Divine. I should watch that movie again. Yeah. That's a great movie. I mean, my, my send-off at the very end of it was the send-off that they give in that one. Um, may your glass be ever full. May your roof be ever strong. And may you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think it turned out fairly well in the end. Despite my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, those are understandable. And this kid's went fairly well as well. Well, who's this kid? Who's this kid? Uh-huh. Come again? Uh-huh. What? Uh, I'm Corey. Corey Lowell. And I'm roommates with this wonderful singer next to me. The son of a Oh, thank you. Uh, so, yes, Lori Cow, my roommate. <laughs> Corey Love, my roommate. Um, big fan of stuff, you know, like Final Fantasy VII and Dark Souls and God of War. And um, actually, he's going to be hopefully at the end, at the end of the summer, right? Hopefully, uh, building his own PC, and I'm going to give him a hand with that and all that fun stuff. Yes. Um, and he's actually going to be here mainly to help me review um, the Talos Principle, just because the game has a lot of philosophy in it, and he he's actually considering going to grad school for philosophy. 
Um, nice. So I figured that it would be something that he would enjoy at least watching and thinking about me with, and I was right. Not this one. But before we get to that, of course, we have our grueling interview. Yes. <laughs> our grueling more questions than we know what to do with the interview. Um, so, first question. How did you get into video games? Uh, back in, oh, it must have been, I got, I got a PlayStation 1 when it first came out back in the 19, back in the late 1990s. And it was something that was really fun. It's, it's, it was a stress reliever for me as a kid. Except for, I'm not big into car games, and that's the game I got, so. <laughs> what is it, Test Drive 5 or something? Hmm. Uh, since then, it's just been a really, 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 really important hobby, hobby of mine. That's kind of my short, abbreviated story. That worked cool. So, what is your favorite genre? Uh, definitely RPG. Yeah, I kind of got that from when Ian uh, <laughs> said Final Fantasy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your all-time favorite game? If you can pick one. Yeah, so you shouldn't ask questions like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um oh, um, I guess based on pure nostalgia, Final Fantasy VII. But I am I am a huge fan of the Dark Souls games because it's really fun to be frustrated and then to do something right. <laughs> So he's a sort of a, a sort of a masochist in that sense. You've heard me play Dark Souls. Yes, yeah, I have. <laughs> you make a sailor blush. <laughs> oh, yes. oh man! And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, what is the game that you hate the most, or what game do you regret buying the most? Um, there was a game called Asura's Wrath that came out a couple years ago, and. It was kind of it's a game that feels like it's a whole bunch of just quick time events. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to say that the games like that are bad, but the plot development in the game was poorly achieved. There was no character development. The main character is, he kind of just gets more angry as the game goes along. So it doesn't I mean that doesn't really lead you anywhere. So it sounds like Harry Potter. Oh my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a game that I really should not have bought. So, listeners, be warned. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go after that one. Or at least that's the plan. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of our grueling interview with more questions that than we know what to do. Brutal. 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 More brutal than Dark Souls? Oh, no. <laughs> Or, or Bloodborne? Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but when I do, I'll let you know. Definitely more brutal than Bloodborne. So, we got a bit of um, po- or feedback from uh, one of our listeners, of course, Andrew. Um, and he says, here, I'll put it in here so that you can actually see it, Ian, because yeah. I have totally forgot to do that earlier this week. I, I don't know um, why, but I, I actually don't get sent the listener feedback stuff in the first stuff. I only get stuff when you guys do respond all, and then I actually 
I get it then, but not until you guys actually respond to it. There's probably something like Gmail's filtering it out for some reason for you. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's in your spam folder until until a legitimate person responds. You know, spam six. Oh, hey, look there, we go. So yeah, then you can mark that as like not spam and it shouldn't go there anymore. Um, so anyway, Andrew uh, was really excited that uh, Ryan actually edited the podcast last week um, because like, uh, I forget, I forget which game it was that we were talking about, but um, oh, it was, it was when we were talking about the Kickstarter and, and, uh, and Ryan put some, some music uh you know under under the whole conversation where we were talking about ukulele and uh it like it worked really really well and if we had the time and wanted to put in the effort to do that like it would be really cool to have music for each and every single like headline piece that we that we talk about but that is a lot of effort so don't expect that (laughs) okay yeah did you ever play that game? Okay. Banjo Kazooie? Mm-hmm. Oh. That's something I'm going to have to pick up. A little bit. It was it was an old platformer on Nintendo 64 where you ran around with a bear um, who carried a bird around in his backpack. Interesting. Yeah. Just a normal day. Just a normal day. Burp. Oh, speaking Dollar. of... Uh... Speaking of old platformers, actually, Psychonauts just turned 10 uh, last month. I found that out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it came out in uh, April of 2005. Wow. So I mean, it's still a good game. Oh, yes. Have now that I have some yet? controllers, I should... Well, I, I tried it out on keyboard and mouse, and it you know it was playable, but I wasn't really feeling it, and I knew that I was going to get some controllers soonish okay. so i decided to leave it off until then and now i have controllers so i have no excuse not to fair enough i mean i i played through it and beat it on keyboard and mouse and it is doable yeah yeah i had fun with it except for all the night creatures <laughs> i hate the night creatures you know but we but we like creatures of the night oh 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 my <laughs> All right, now that we've gotten the innuendoing started, let's talk about some headlines. Uh, so, dear listener, if you want to see any of the links to the articles that we're about to talk about, go to thenexus.tv slash eb118 for all of the show notes. So, this week was really important for a reason other than senior recitals and graduations. May the 4th happened on, uh, I think it was Monday. Um, Correct. Yeah, and so in celebration of that, Vanity Fair actually went to the set of uh of star wars episode seven and took a bunch of pictures and stuff and from that we actually learned a few details that we previously didn't know for example um adam driver is playing the role of kylo ren who's the uh the the big sith bad guy in this movie um i don't i didn't really recognize any of the movies that adam driver's been in before um and uh, Lupita Nyong'o is playing a pirate leader named Maz Kanata, uh, who I, I've never heard of that character before, which is pretty cool. Um, and then Gwendolyn Christie, who plays, um, um, what's her name? Brienne of Tarth in Game of Thrones. Um, she plays Captain Phasma, which is, uh, that's the, the 
the stormtrooper with like the the chrome armor looks totally badass um so that's gwendolyn christie and uh and then we also found out that the first order which is whatever you know this version of the empire is called uh they have a secret base on some ice planet i don't think it's hot but looks like the tables have kind of turned <laughs> if, they're, if they're having to hide out on a you know backwater planet rebels yeah rebels, rebels! didn't they say that they ate dogs in that one i think so <laughs> thanks family guy zeus that's evan's dog i know him now <laughs> speaking of out um goat simulators back from out of space what have they got for us this time <laughs> oh boy um well, do you remember that 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 Facebook group that uh, Roberto made in high school for poops and giggles because things were like or people were liking stupid enough things on Facebook already, and so he felt that this was a good. Uh, I remember him making the character of Chad Dushwitz on Facebook. Well, that too. Chad Dushwitz. Oh, Chad, still friends with him on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but no, 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 no. Um, the homo necropedo bestiality. Oh, yeah. Well, if that was ever your thing, you can now live all those dreams. Because um, Goat Z, a, a, a takeoff on all of those survival games, advertising itself as the first survival game not in early access, <laughs> um, and having more bugs than actual, or as many bugs as actual survival games, if not more. Uh, was recently released this week. Um, and I mean, it's it's a free, another free mod if you already own Goat Simulator, I, then you'll get this. Actually, I think it's a $5 DLC. This one's a $5 DLC? Hmm. I think so, if I remember correctly. Oh. Let's see. I, I don't know. Yeah, it says at the bottom of the announcement that I linked to that it's going live on may 7th and will cost 4.99 oh yeah there we go Never mind. It's yep not... yep yep oh, i was enjoying that they were doing all the free silly stuff though well i mean eventually they're going to need more cash to be able to keep doing silly stuff yeah that's true and to top it all off they chose a name for it that uh is a pun on goatsy <laughs> i didn't even catch that <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> so you're saying they've just got to spread things out a bit <laughs> moving on or am I stretching that joke a bit much so speaking of uh of paid for things that aren't usually paid for um the the version of black mesa that is um that you know is is in the steam storefront that you can pay money for uh, has been released as an early access title for 20 bucks. Um, unfortunately, there are still no Zen levels in it. Um, I kind of thought that they were going to be releasing the paid version of Black Mesa um, along with the Zen levels, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Maybe they'll take it out of early access once they have those levels ready. Maybe. What is, what's the difference between the paid version and the unpaid version? Um, they So they detailed what the diff- difference like a year ago or something when they announced that they were going to have a paid version. And I think 
right now the only difference is that the paid version is just kind of like for people who really really want to support the the team financially okay i can get behind that yeah and so like you've you've kind of got a split right now between uh, among the uh, the Steam user reviews of people who are going like, why do I have to pay for this? You know, I already played this. And people going, I played the free version. I loved it so much that I decided to pay you guys money for it. I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, people will be dummies. That's just sort of how things happen. Um, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that actually if the Zen levels are coming to the free version or not. But like the the free version as it is will always be available for free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be worth playing. It'll be worth buying it anyways, just because we like supporting indie group and indie groups and just independent developers and publishers anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go do that. I'll be doing that soon, eventually, once I have money. If I have money, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. However, speaking of not having money, um, so you're you're going to be building a computer, yes? Yeah. So the graphics card that I recommended to him was obviously the NVIDIA 970. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. currently it has the biggest bang for its buck. And not just you. I like bang for bucks. Not making that joke? Okay. Um, <laughs> holding my tongue this time. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so why are we talking about graphics cards? Why are we talking about graphics cards? Well, uh, if you are thinking of buying a computer soon, um, or at least building a computer soon, or even if you just want to upgrade your graphics card soon, do it sooner rather than later. Uh, apparently, you can get um, either Batman, Arkham Knight, and or it, I'm not sure if it's an and or an or, um, but The Witcher 3. It's an, it's an and. Oh, yes. So if you buy, uh, let's see. So if you buy the 980, the 970, then you get both Batman and The Witcher. Um, If you get a 960 or a 980M or a 970M, then it's just The Witcher. Um, But still, free games to go along with an already awesome deal of a graphics card. Um, The only thing that's an issue is that it will be uh, ending on June 1st. So that's why I say if you want to do it, do it quick. Uh, yeah, and of course that's that's their um, their strategy here <laughs> yeah. to get us to buy them early. Um, but on the other hand, like they they do deals like this quite often, where whatever the season's uh, big title that's coming up, they'll you know make that available yeah. with a graphics card. I mean, but not- usually they don't have two, so this is this is a better deal than usual. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I got Watch Dogs. Oh yeah, so it like so. It, speaking of uh, graphics cards, um, Microsoft's been talking a lot about DirectX 12, of course. And mm. so far, the most exciting feature that I've seen for DirectX 12 is multi adapter. So what this does is it basically allows systems with multiple GPUs to use all of them. Um, you know, up till now, the only time that you could really use multiple GPUs is if you have um, a couple of like NVIDIA graphics cards that are from the same series uh, SLI'd into each other. If you have a couple of AMD cards from the same series um, plugged into each other, I forget what AMD calls their, their 
proprietary, you know, hooking up technology thing. Um, and so this is, this is exciting news, not just for people who own multiple, like, uh, dedicated graphics cards, but for people like us, because it will allow your system to use the dedicated graphics card that you have and the integrated graphics card that comes with pretty much any processor that's worth its salt. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, um, of course, I don't think that DirectX 12 will be available on like my 670 because that's like two years old. <laughs> so, um, but, but from now on, you know, in the future, we'll be getting performance bumps without, you know, without having to buy new graphics cards at all. I like that. I yeah. Like that a lot. It's freaking magic, man. Magic. Do you believe in magic in a young CPU's heart? <laughs> All right. Um, so, like, speaking of magic and working technical magic, there are, I mean, we with any sort of um, online multiplayer game, there's going to be cheaters, right? Right. Which sucks. And... They've um, they actually found one on Guild Wars Two who was doing a bunch of cheating during the PvP matches, which I mean that's that's sort of a big thing considering that I mean any sort of PvP cheating, any sort of cheating period is not not good, and especially when it comes to multiplayer games when there's actual things on the line, that's no good. Um, so Guild Wars Two, uh, they actually found. Um, the, the, the cheater, uh, so someone took a video of him and what, what he was doing and they found him, shut him down, um, and ended up banning him, but they did it in a way that I don't think I've ever heard of it happening before. They made it, um, they actually made it sort of a public humiliation. So on the, in one of the worlds, they had the, the guy's main character, um, walk up to a ledge, strip down to nothing, wave at the audience, and then jump off and commit suicide. Um, and then... And they took a video of this whole thing so that even if you weren't there at the time, you could see it later. Yep. And, then, <laughs> and I mean, of course, afterwards, they, they deleted the character um, and banned his account. Yep. Temporarily. So, so it's really public humiliation. Which I don't think I've ever heard of a game company doing before, but I know in some ways I think that might actually work better. Well, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Um, and I'm not just saying this to Corey and Buck, but also to our listeners. What do you think? Do you think that they went overboard with that um, as a punishment? Or do you think that it was fitting and that it's maybe a step in the right direction? Yeah, send us feedback with your opinion. Yay! Yay! We can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Shrek, right? Yeah, Shrek, Okay. Okay. So, um, Good Old Games is a storefront that you know I've always thought has its heart in the right place, but uh, they've been missing a lot of important features for you know a modern digital retail storefront, um, and they're going to be fixing that soon with their Galaxy client. Um, it went into beta this week, and many of the features that you know I've been looking for 
are in the corner from the public. So we're thinking about like things like automatic updates. And uh, actually, they're, they're talking about having update rollbacks if like, you know, a game stops working for you after an update kind of thing. Um, achievements, a friends list in a chat, matchmaking support for older games whose online systems have shut down. Um, that one's actually pretty important for good old games in particular because their uh, initial appeal as a store was they were a bunch of older games you, know, you can't find in a lot of other places. Um, and most importantly, the online features that they're adding here are all going to be optional because they're also big on, you know, always letting people just play offline as much as they want to because uh, you, you can easily view online as a, a type of DRM. So pretty exciting times. Yeah. I like exciting things. Speaking of exciting things, um, so Telltale, obviously, um, their big thing is storytelling games in episodic ways where the decisions that you make um, have an effect on the storyline itself. Mm-hmm. This model has obviously gotten, well, not obviously, but it's gotten so popular to the point where people are now starting to imitate it. So there's a new game that's coming out um, similar to what we can essentially say is the um, Telltale game style called Knee Deep. Um, it is set in backwater Florida. Um, and so there, there's a wa- the, the main story of the game is there's a washed up Hollywood actor who's found hanging from. Um, okay, here, let me, let me just read the description for you on the game's website. Knee Deep unfolds in the backwater Florida town of Cypress Knee. A washed-up Hollywood actor is found hanging from the iconic tower at the center of Chief Roadside's Wonderland, a tacky resort that is more of an affront to Native Americans than tourist attraction. You investigate this mysterious suicide through the eyes of three distinct characters, cheeky blogger Romana Teague, the leader local newspaper reporter Jack Bellet, and cynical private investigator K.C. Gaddis. Knee Deep is about characters, nuanced storytelling, and the melodrama of Swampland, Florida. Man, I didn't know that there was so much melodrama in Swapland, Florida. Well, you see, you got to get all them rednecks. Hey. <laughs> Not in the bayous. Well, you know, that's where that whole Cajun thing comes from, bruh. I can't even understand you anymore. Never mind. That's more Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana bayous, not, 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 not Florida swamps. I don't know. I mean, have you ever... It's apparently melodramatic enough that the History Channel has dedicated a whole show to it. Really? Swamp people. Oh, huh. I, I thought maybe you were talking about the, uh, like, snake hunting show or whatever. Uh, well, not snake hunting, but gator hunting, yeah. Yeah. I, my, my favorite uh, show starring some, you know, backwoods regnecks is uh, Call of the Wild Man. About this guy in like the Appalachian, uh, you know, areas of uh, Kentucky, and he he just he makes his living um, removing you know pests from people's from you know homes and barns and whatnot, uh, and gets paid in things like twenty dollars and an apple pie or or whatever. It's 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 amazing. I mean, if it's a good apple pie. Oh yeah. 
actually speaking of pie, something that Jen and I made this weekend that I'll, I'll have to make when we're living together. Um, I can never remember what they're called, but they're essentially miniature pies. Um, and we did three varieties. We did pecan, blueberry, and lemon, where we, we made fresh lemon curd um, the morning of my recital. Nice. So one, I can now make fresh lemon curd, which we can put on um, like toast in, in the morning and whatnot. And it's, it's, it's really yummy stuff. I was going to say, I think I can smell it, but I believe there are actually brownies uh, being baked right now. So maybe that's what I'm smelling. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Actually, ooh, I'm trying to think, would lemon curd go good on brownies? Lemon and chocolate? Uh, we can experiment. I mean, anything with chocolate is usually pretty good. Uh, yeah. Usually. I feel like if, if I feel like if that were true, we'd all be eating chocolate cake. I mean, cho- my goodness, chocolate pizza. <laughs> We eat chocolate cake all the time. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Let's not lose our heads here. What heads? So, a game that's near and dear to my heart and uh, big, big multiplayer phenomenon, Hearthstone, has hit 30 million players this week. Uh, that's why you were thinking of cake. Because the card back what? from Hearthstone is birthday cake themed from last month. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if I really like that uh, card back, actually. I don't know. Is there anything special about it? I honestly just logged on before the show to take a look at it because I hadn't logged on for a while. Uh, what, what do you mean? Is there anything special about it? Like, it's, it's, it's the same coloring kind of as the classic back. It's just that everything's made of frosting. Yeah, no. I mean... Um, is there any sort of shimmer, any sort of special effects that it does? Because I know that there are some that, that do that. Oh, um, yeah. It, I mean, I I think that they all have like some slight movement kind of thing, but I haven't looked at it close enough to really see. Okay. Yeah. Mm, I'll have to take a look at that. A little bit more. But yes, so what, what about Hearthstone? Oh, it, it, they reached 30 million players. It's a milestone. Woohoo. Woohoo. Yeah. I, I actually have no idea how that compares to other popular multiplayer games okay. but it sounds like a lot here let me look this up oh no <laughs> this is how we get bogged down Ian <laughs> is by obsessions of thoroughness um player numbers underneath over 67 million players on league in 2014, and so that number's growing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's getting there, but again, League is the number one spot in the world. Well, yeah, nobody's disputing that. So, so I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna... You're, you're not gonna... Blah, 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 blah. All right, so, moving on. Uh, we got some details on future EA releases in their quarterly financial statement. Uh, so the two main two that we know about are Mirror's Edge 2, that's going to be coming out in early 2016, and Titanfall 2, um, that's actually coming out despite having the first one coming out, what, was it last year or two years ago? Uh, Titanfall came out, yeah, while we were juniors. So some sometime in the last school year. 
Um, and that'll be coming out in April 2016. Uh, no, no, it, it will be coming out not before not April 2016. 2016. Yeah. Okay. They haven't set a, even even a time frame for it, except for the fact that it won't be coming out during that financial quarter. Which means April 2018, because we know how good AAA publishers are at pushing things back. Yeah, well... On the other hand, there's also Kentucky Route Zero, which, uh, you know, hasn't had, like, their fourth... I haven't heard anything about their fourth act in, in like, a year. Oh, well. Uh, but we should be seeing the retail version of the Oculus Rift uh, in the first quarter of 2016, so that's really exciting. Woohoo! So we're making our VR playroom an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. Though we were going to get something other than than, than the OR, right? Uh, well, so if we want to if we want to set up like a whole room that we can walk around in, kind of thing, the one that you would want to get right now is the um, the Vive, the HTC one from Steam. Mm. Okay. Valve. Yeah. So I might have to finish the basement before we can actually do that. Because that's sort of what I was thinking, turning the basement into sort of like a hangout play area. Yeah. Like Once we get it all not moldy. Yeah. So <laughs> step one, get rid of mold. Step two, maybe a little bit of carpet, at least something on the floor other than concrete. Put some drywall up on the walls. Make it look nice. Maybe get a big, I'm thinking like a big whiteboard, like a wall that's nothing but whiteboard. It'd be really cool for like D&D sessions or mapping out stories for our, our story based mm. podcast and whatnot. Uh, kind of maybe make one of make it into a studio. Why not? Why not? There I mean, we go. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And we could also have uh, the gaming stations down there with like, actually like a projector. And then we can have that hooked up to maybe a console. If we're doing a console or if we're not doing a console, um, at least hook it up to like some sort of computer or something that we can do project stuff on the whiteboard with. Mm-hmm. I'm j- well at this point I'm trying to figure out how it's different than what our living room is going to be <laughs> it's essentially going to That's be a-, a second living room living room is going to be more for sitting around and talking basement is going to be for hanging out with games cool. and that. so that'll be the den living room will be sit and chat basement will be the den or at least that's the way that I'm dreaming of it happening yeah. Yeah. the den and the creation and there, there's you know five other people that you need to convince that this is a good idea, obviously. I don't think that'll be hard. Hey, can I improve on the basement? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, does that sound that hard? No. When you put We're it that also way. geeking out or living with other geeks. Well, pseudo-geeks. Yes? What? I mean, you and I... And, and probably Sam are the geekiest ones there. And if I can convince San, Savannah of this too, then we'll have two thirds vote and that's more, that's the majority. So. <laughs> is that all that we need? I suppose it is. Yeah. And again, I mean, I, I can't see what issues Ali and Amber would have with the basement being turned into a hangout area. I don't know. Maybe they have like grand plans of their own. We never know. We never know. All right. Oh yes. So I have I have a silly thing. Um, oh shoot! Did Ryan get? Yes, he put on. Yeah, he put the YouTube app on. Cool. Then let's open that up. I have a silly trailer. Um, 
So a multiplayer game that we're going to have to get into playing a little bit is called Magica, uh, where you run around and combine different elements to to do different spells and other silly things and go through storylines together with friends. Um, and they just released a a trailer for the, the co-op part of this game um, that makes fun of basically all other co-op trailers. So it's not quite as good as the Mr. Torg one, but it's still pretty Oh, good. yes. And it's only about two and a half minutes, so here we go. Hey, guys. Hi. Um, hello. Green here. Are you guys ready for some fast-paced Magicka 2 Challenge Mode? Okay. Ah, what do I do? Combine water and fire to make steam. Oh, crap. It's fine. We almost have this. Don't get too comfy, Blue. We fragile wizards are at the mercy of the cunning AI of Magicka 2. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you think this is a game? Yes! Finally! Wasn't that fun? Combining eight elements to cast hundreds of spells. What's a hundred? I didn't say that. You know, those titles are really distracting. But gamers between 18 and 34 love chaotic co-op action. And expensive titles. Oh, so expensive. Hey, watch where you point that thing. My bad. Friendly fire means that living friends can become dead nemeses with Magicka 2's Friend Dead Nemeses system. Can you please go and do something else? You mean like explore the rich and engaging world of Midgard with up to three friends in Magicka 2's co-op campaign? Yes. Or experiment with game modifiers called artifacts that gives a replayable game virtually endless. Dibble dub re-replay plibble dibbity. Shut up! Stop yelling! Why don't you... Communication is key and... Okay, no one hit revive. <laughs> Finally. Finally, we can enjoy Magicka 2, the fantasy spell-casting action co-op game coming to PC and PlayStation 4 on May 26th. Get your robes... Get your robes ready. Huh. Maybe you should work for Paradox. Maybe I should. Magicka 2. Pre-order now and play challenge mode until... (laughs) (laughs) I can see why you made the the comparison to the Mr. Torg one. Explosions everywhere. (laughs) Poorly spelled. (sighs) It's great. Oh. But so that looks fun. That looks silly. So that means we'll have to play it, right? Oh, yes. Especially since I, I believe that that has a uh, local co-op, right? I think so. It better. We're going to have so much fun playing uh, local multiplayer games. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, Steam Big Picture. Oh, yeah. That's what the so, is for. Well, I mean, the, I, that's what our, our TVs uh, in the living room is going to have that, of course. Yes. Yes. So, as we all know, Starfighter-themed Kickstarters are never, ever successful. So, I don't even know why the creators of uh, Starfighter, Starfighter Inc. are trying. Starfighter? Um, Starfighter, yes. <laughs> it's really, really bad. I hate feeders. It's Well, no, it's where you, uh, you go out 
and you you have all of this uh, bird feed for the space birds, and you you spread it across the the stars, you know, by shooting it out of your little your little laser guns, and you uh, wait for them to come in and uh, start eating it, and uh, and you wait for the ones with that are yellow birds with yellow bills, and then you smash their little heads. So that's how Angry Birds Space was made. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, so no, yeah, Starfighter Inc. They uh, they've started a Kickstarter, and it's going to be a round-based multiplayer dogfighting game. So they're not going to have like a persistent universe um, like the other ones that we've seen recently. Um, I I also their their main focus is also not to make a single-player campaign. It's just supposed to be you know kind of like uh, CS:GO on in space. 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 I'm in space. Got to see it all. I mean, I like dogfighting games. And as you've seen, I get stupidly lucky when it comes to driving shit. (laughs) So I might have to play that one. Maybe. Maybe. But do I want to pay for it? Well, uh, during the Kickstarter round, at least, if you spend $15, then you get the game. So it's not too much of a commitment. Well, $17 right now. Hmm? But so the, the, the $15 or more, that's the gun for hire early bird special. $16 or higher, that's the gun for hire early-ish bird special. $17 or more, gun for hire on-time bird special. <laughs> and the $25 or more is the gun for hire special. Okay. So they're definitely incentivizing uh, getting in early. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I, I I have to see how much I enjoy. Yeah, I'll probably wait Oops. off on this one until it actually comes out because we'll definitely have Star Citizen and the multiplayer mode in Star Citizen to play. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the Robert Space Industry, right? Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll have to see. Do you know if there's a... Well, okay, we'll talk about this later because I still got to find a way to purchase that game. Um, yeah, it's called the internet. Well, I realize that. It's a wonderful thing. If you were in person, I would throw this bottle at you. Or if you were here in person. You start, you still are. <laughs> Never mind. I should stop talking. My brain is still fried from yesterday. That's my excuse. Moving on. Moving on. So, um, uh, ooh, this one's kind of nasty. So apparently a bunch of developers had some stuff stolen from them at Berlin Games Week. Um, so they're banding together to do an Indiegogo campaign re- to replace the equipment. So it sounds like it was actually like physical stuff. That was- yeah, I think it was like their laptops and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so as a reward, backers get 10 exclusive games from them. So, I mean... You can go and get ten games for. Yeah, and that's that's one that I'm more interested in than the uh, Starfighter one at this point. <laughs> yeah. So Audio Surf Two has been in early access under development for a while now, and, and on May 26th, so pretty soon I um I might be able to play through the final version of the game and figure out if I like it better or worse than the original Audio Surf. Which is a pretty high bar to to clear, you know. 
the original audio surf is just excellent. I mean, I mean, I'm not even going to try and get into audio surf right now just because I know you'll completely whip my ass at whatever I do. Well, it, your strategy then is uh, play songs that I don't own. Or my strategy is play a lead, which you don't play. No, there you go. Which I do play. Actually, I've been playing a lot with uh, Isaac and Oliver recently. Oh, nice. They're a lot of fun. And they're also better than I am, so it's really nice to play with people who are better than I am who I can actually learn from. Because mm. they're like, when I make mistakes, they don't get frustrated with me. Yeah, we should we should definitely reconnect from with some people from high school. Yes. Over the summer and stuff, and assuming assuming that people are moving back to the cities. Yes. Or never left the cities, like Lollivander. Yeah, that's true. And Kurt. Kurt and Ryan. Yeah, we can actually hang out with Ryan on the <laughs> How did how did we forget about Ryan? <laughs> I know I, I don't I never talk to that guy anymore. So, all right. So moving on. Um, ooh, I actually like this one. Um, it, it's good news. So usually I report on all the really bad news and the really sad stuff that's happening politically and financially in the gaming world. And, and I don't have to do bad news this time. I get to do good news. Woo-hoo. Uh, woo-hoo. So for the first time since 2012, Nintendo has had a profitable financial year. Yay! 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 Yay, Nintendo. So, also in good news, both Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter are going to have uh, another season next year. Woohoo! And that was actually uh, doubly surprising for um, Agent Carter because, you know, it was originally just made as a short one-off, you know, like... 13 episode season or whatever it was maybe it was nine episodes or something um and so you know they they wrapped up that storyline you know nicely and didn't really need to do another season if if it you know if it didn't get picked up again but people loved it so they're doing another one i thought you said that it was met with relatively poor reception well by people i mean you know people not like the critics fair enough Unless, oh wait, are you were you talking about the like the numbers, the viewership numbers? I don't know. There was something that I, I remember. Agent Carter wasn't very successful for some reason or another, and that's why we thought they were only doing the one season of it, and then it was going to be done. Mm. Yeah, that may have been the numbers because, um, yeah, as if I recall, like neither Agents of Shield nor Agent Carter have like amazing, amazing viewership numbers. Fair enough. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, it's good. But that, that's okay, though, because, you know, high art doesn't always have mass appeal. That's very true. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if they're pushing anything in any of these shows. Nah. Nah. Ideals, <laughs> ideas, nah. Feminism, nah. Couldn't have put it better myself. Who likes ideas and deals? Put that hand down. Okay. You fall. You letting. Yes. Oh, I, I thought you said you, you, you follow her for a second because you, you kind of. Oh. You, you, you blinked out for a second. 
oh. with internet connection. But so I thought you said you when you said you fall, I thought you were going with you fall or no. Yeah. But yes, you philosophy major, you damn philosopher. Sorry. You damn dirty philosopher. <laughs> damn dirty gape. Uh, either way, that's good. I I think they're both fantastic shows, and the the ideas that they are very blatantly, very strongly pushing are good ones. So, agreed. Yes. So, um, ooh. so speaking of, <laughs> you know what? Might as well just call it an episodic game at this point. Um, Assassin's Creed. I mean, they're they're annual episodes. Sort of, except that they don't necessarily tie into one another, really. I thought you know. Like, they're not expecting you to have played Assassin's Creed Unity before you play Assassin's Creed... Oh, what's the next one called? Yeah, I don't know. You do. It's it's written in front of you. Oh. I was prompting you, giving you a segue. Oh. Sorry. I'm going to break... <laughs> There's a reason those things didn't take off. I mean, that's because they were designed for land travel, not air travel, but... Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Screw the innuendos. I'm just going for bad puns at this point. Um, yeah, I, you beat me to it by like two seconds. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Assassin's Creed, the newest one is Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, and that's what essentially was revealed this week was the name as well as a couple of details on the game. Uh, so what we know is that it will be set in England during the Industrial Revolution. And the main character's name is Jacob Fry. And we should be getting a few more details on Tuesday, I think, which is when the official like reveal is going to happen. Uh, That'll be good. But these, yeah, these these details were leaked. Whoopsie! Unintentionally. Oh, oh no! We saw their details. Oh my! How risque! So I found uh, I found a game that's going to be coming out in 2016 that I'm really intrigued by now it's called failsafe and um the the reasons that i'm that i'm intrigued by it are mostly because of the people behind it so it's starring ashley birch and dante basco uh so ashley birch is uh you might know her as oh i don't know tiny tina oh uh, yeah or or from the her youtube series um hey ash what you playing and Wait. um that was what? Yeah, same person. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Dante Basco is—he uh, played um, Rufio in Hook and uh, Zuko in Avatar: The Last Airbender. That guy. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, until until I like read this story and went and looked at a few more things that he did, I didn't realize that he had been in Hook. Because and it turns out he's like way older than I thought he was because he's like forty years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so starring those two and uh, it's being co-written by Anthony Birch, who is Ashley Birch's brother and and did some of the writing on Borderlands too. Um, however, it's not going to be a comedy as you might expect. Um, instead, it is focusing on these two characters who normally would be enemies, but they have to kind of learn to work together because of the circumstances that they're in. Um, so um, there's, you know, a girl and a robot. And I think, I guess the robots usually kill humans or something, but, you know, in this case, like, they have to work together. Um, I don't know all the details, but yeah, um, it's supposed to be emotionally complex. Um 
And I like I like the sound of it. They've got somebody on their on their uh, um, design team who worked on Journey. So this just this is sounding better and better. Yeah. Like holy cow! I I, I can has. <laughs> well, uh, about a year from now, you can. Sweet, sweet. Oh, let's see what other games was he in. Um, oh, he was in Final Fantasy Thirteen. Huh. He was in Call of Juarez. I never played that one. I mean, I don't know. It, it's a Ubisoft game. Did it come out on? Oh, I never. No, yes, it did come out on PC. Yeah, I know. I know it's on Steam. But yeah. I don't know. No, yeah. Actually, uh, you got okay scores. They're all just shy of 80. Oh, um, Speaking of scores. Speaking of scores. Oh, yes. Do we, do we want to review a few games? Oh, I suppose. Bucky's first? Hmm? Because you have two games to review, right? Oh sure, yeah, I can. Yeah, we can sandwich them in there nicely. Do do some uh, buck buns on on the. <laughs> God, I don't want. I'm I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll find a way to put myself between your buns. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was trying to avoid. Was you saying something like that? All right, Nidhogg. <laughs> so uh, this week, I just kind of spontaneously decided to try out Nidhog when uh, when Sam was visiting. And it's a ton of fun. So it's it's a local multiplayer. Um, well, there there is online multiplayer and there is a single player campaign mode thing. But neither of those are really yeah. Like um, I've heard that the online multiplayer is really really hard to get going and you know kind of has has lag issues and drops out and stuff um the the single player campaign kind of suffers from the ai being horribly stupid a lot of times but having like perfect timing (laughs) and uh and so the really the only thing that you're ever going to want to do with this game is play it locally with some friends so it's a side-scrolling fencing game where you have a relatively relatively few actions that you can do in the game you know so um obviously you know you can run left and right you can jump um you have a sword that you can you know lunge with you're not so you're not like swiping at your enemy um but it's it's all about where like where you have your sword positioned either low middle or high position um and you know timing your lunges and stuff um, if, if you both have your swords at the same level, then you'll automatically parry each other. Um, but then you can, you can do things like to disarm the opponent, uh, you can like cross your sword against theirs, um, over the level that theirs is at when they're more than halfway past each other, the swords. Um, and that's, that's like, a, I have not gotten the hang of, of disarming yet. Um, there's, you know, things like, uh, a jump kick. Um, that's pretty useful because a lot of times people aren't expecting that. Um, you know, you can, you can crouch and trip people. So, um, wait, can you name it the Spanish Inquisition? Can I what? Name your jump. You should name your foot the Spanish Inquisition. Because oh. <laughs> then nobody will ever be expecting your foot. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, so, so it's, it's very, very fast paced. And, um, you know, a single mistake is basically going to cost you your life because you you always 
you almost always die with one hit, right? Um, the exception would be if if a disarmed opponent starts punching you, they won't kill you right away, you know. Um, but I prefer that option. I'm just going to sit and wail. <laughs> well, that's not going to work so well because uh, if I have a sword and you're unarmed, then I'm almost always going to win because uh, if I poke you, then you die. Um, but don't worry because death is not the end in Nidhogg. Um, so once you kill your opponent, then you have the initiative to go start running. And so the, the player on the right has tries to run to the left and the player on the left tries to run to the right. Right. Um, and once you start running, then your opponent is going to respawn in front of you um, before long. And then you, you know, have to get past them or, or, you know, defeat them again. And so it's kind of this, this back and forth tug of war um, of trying to, trying to defeat your opponent and get to, get to your goal. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few different um, kind of map. Well, not, there's a few different like situations that the map will put you in, right? So, so you know, maybe sometimes your your opponent will be like up on a ledge that you have to jump onto, or you know, across a, a gorge that you have to jump across, kind of thing. Um, and you sort of learn to use the environment to your advantage. Um, yeah, and it's 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 the sort of game where you you know you pick up the basics immediately, and within the first two hours, you've learned so much that. Like, like against somebody who's just starting out, they're not going to stand a chance. <laughs> um, so, but but you know, thankfully, it doesn't take long for for them to get you know caught up on on how the game works. Um, so it's it's a ton of fun. Um, you know they they have uh, they have a tournament mode. So if we have like a big party of uh, of up to eight people who all want to see who's the best at Nidhog. Um, you know, then it uses just a simple bracket system to, to do that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I mean, as far as the amount of like content in the game goes, it's, it's very, very limited, but it doesn't need a whole lot because it's just, it's this pure skill based game. Um, so as long as you're willing to just, you know, play and like improve yourself and have a good time, um, while playing against people, then then you'll then you'll really enjoy it mm. and so i i definitely predict this as being uh one of one of the fun party games that we play a lot when we move in together later this summer sounds good to me i mean um, so long as i can call my sword harley you can call your sword whatever you want you just won't be able to name it in the game all right harley davidson will be my mid hog Let's do this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Except that uh, the Nidhogg isn't the sword. Um, so Nid- Nidhogg is this mythical creature from uh, Norse mythology. It's it's the serpent that gnaws at the roots of the uh, world tree. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, well, I won't tell you how, how Nidhogg plays into the game, actually. I'll let you find that out once we play together. So your sword will meet my serpent, and we'll see which one is better? Uh, n- uh, I'll let you see. <laughs> That's the plan? Yeah. All right. So under the game that Corey and I play, this is the main reason why I have you on the show for today, is to talk about the Talos Principle. 
So the Talos principle, um, oh geez, how do I describe it? It is a story-based game, story and philosophy-based game, um, where you advance through the story by completing various puzzles to get different puzzle pieces. Um, so the game explores things like, what is life? Uh, Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Um, let's see, basic human nature. Um, yeah, they're, they're touching on a lot. That what when talking about artificial intelligence, where is the line between human and AI? That was one of the questions that, that the game really talked about. That um, that we had to an answer, and they kept our answers for future uses. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so the game comes equipped with this th this little AI who you interact with. So essentially there's there's three main characters in the game. There's you, the player. There's Elohim, who um, presents himself as your father. He's always addressing you as my child and all that stuff. And there is what I can only be or assume through the achievements is the serpent. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is what he's called. And so he's this the sir, he or she is this AI that is install or essentially instilling you with a healthy, healthy dose of doubt. Healthy dose of doubt. Trying to say, how do you know what you know? Do you really know what you know? What do you really think about this sort of thing? And he's very Socratic um, sort of philosophy, where he's he's going or actually, sorry, not a form of philosophy, form of arguing, where he's going through and asking you questions to challenge your beliefs instead of going, well, here's what I think because of this, 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 and this. He's like, well, if that's true, what about this? And if that's true, what about this? Um, yeah, Paul calls in, uh, in your statements. So much. So much. So it gives you a lot to talk about and a lot to think about. So it's actually really nice to have someone who's willing to sit by and watch and Occasionally give insights on puzzles when you get a little bit stuck. Um, but more importantly, um, someone to sit and talk with all the stuff that's going on philosophy-wise, because there's there's a lot of stuff that happens that way. Um, let's see. I'm glad that they put the serpent in there, because uh, I, I don't remember it being in the like the public test levels. Nope. Um, so I thought it was just going to be the player and Elohim. Because isn't the serpent, the serpent's the program? Mm -hmm. The serpent is the AI. But doesn't you call it this, the the AI calls itself Milton, which is a reference to Paradise Lost, which is uh, was written by John Milton, sixteen hundreds. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and actually, they do bring back the demo level essentially, or at least they bring back the world of the demo level. Okay. Um, and actually, the, so the place where they had that computer terminal where we first interacted with stuff, mm -hmm. there was actually a glitch where you fell through the ground. So if you knew where to go to find that terminal, then you would find this glitch? Mm -hmm. And it was a feature? Yep. And like, if you knew where to find some of the stars that they had put in there, you would find some pieces to other things. Uh, like in that particular level, they actually had a tribute to Sirius Sam. Um, 
where you could assemble a statue of one of the monsters from Serious Sam. Nice. They had hidden chunks of it all over the place. Um, so there's there's a good amount of Easter eggs. We found that one. And then the other one that I found that I actually thought was really interesting is, so in this church level, you walk towards the door and you're able to actually phase through the door at, if you walk into it for like half a second. Um, and then you pop out on the other side and you find yourself down this this long hallway where it's completely dark except for this doorway at the end where you see this guy sitting at, at, at a desk um, wearing a suit throwing money up in the air going money 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 I don't know exactly what the heck was going on what but in the end it's the story that it tells isn't necessarily through obviously conventional story telling methods they have they have different reading things which you're able to go through and and read and try and figure out a little bit of what's happened. But, and there's also audio logs. So mm-hmm. you're, you're hearing one person's audio logs that they've recorded for you to listen to in this world. Um, and so eventually you kind of figure out what your purpose is. You kind of figure out, kind of figure out why you were made. They don't ever actually reveal any details on that. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least some of the more important details, but there's some stuff that you can infer that it's like, Oh, well, it's probably this. Um, uh, the story itself was good well put together uh, made you think a lot those puzzles some of them were headache inducingly hard yeah I mean I, I assume that it, it uh, gave you time to get up to that point you know uh, it didn't didn't just throw really really difficult puzzles at you before uh, before you were kind of led up to there no not really Though it did ramp pretty hard. Yeah. So there were the few where, well, I mean, or at least it felt like it ramped to me. Just That might have also been in part because I was used to some of the mechanics from working with the demo. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, the trickiest things were probably finding all the stars. And that's and that's purely an extra thing. Like, you don't have to do that to progress the game, right? Well, to get one ending, no, you not okay <laughs> all right to get the ending yes so i'll keep that in mind when i play through it yes i i actually had to cheat a little bit and look up a guide as to where to find the stars i didn't want them to tell me how to find it i just wanted to tell them where they were mm. and try and figure it out on my own but i couldn't find that they just told me here's the star here's how you do it okay and I mean, some of them I would not have expected. Like, yeah, there's some that were like you would never even think of it. Well, I mean, like the the, the one where there was the, the connector on top of the pyramid that oh, was off yeah, in the you background. Even see that? You, you literally could not see the piece of the puzzle. Hmm. And there's, there wasn't one like that. The connector was in a tree or something. Yeah, really well hidden in the tree. So you know what this means, Ian? Is since the the guide that you were looking for doesn't exist yet. You go and make that guide. That's entirely possible, yeah. Um, I mean, let's see. Where were some other ones? Um, uh, some, ooh, there was a lot of... Um, know your codes. My codes? Codes. Uh, what was it? Hexacode? Yeah, hexacode. So make, make sure when you're going through, you have two things ready. 
hex code translator and a okay. QR reader. Ah, yeah. Because some of them, usually they translate them for you, but not always. Hmm. So. Yes, I, I carry a QR reader with me in my pocket all the time. Good. Very high tech. Yes. And also, I hope you enjoy Tangrams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Some of those are really, really easy, and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Symmetry. And those are the good ones. Mm-hmm. I never actually used those, did I? But the ones for the sixth floor. You didn't? No. That's there might be There might be one more level that we actually missed, now that I think about it. We should find that. We should find that. What a time to realize something like that, right? Because I mean, I mean, it's just it'll be one one small puzzle, but I don't know what exactly it'll reveal. Huh? It will reveal everything. <laughs> I changed my mind. Not that one. Um, oh. And here's the crazy thing is that that's what it was. Ah. No, you don't need the stars for that ending. But you do need the stars for another ending. Okay. So there's like three endings now? Yes. Huh. Now I see. Okay. Do you remember these? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Boy, I love all this cryptic. <laughs> talk about the game in our review. <laughs> I don't want to give stuff away. Because <laughs> there's, I just funny. There's so much stuff that it's way better if you figure it out on your own. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, of course, of course. I don't want to spoil that for you. I don't want to ruin that for you. Um. So, what do you think is a reasonable price for this game? Oh gosh, what did we pay for it? I think I got it on sale for like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, I think it's on. It's for forty. Um, see, Talos Principle. We we played about twenty hours worth. Um, at least forty bucks. Okay. If not more, because and you do get that much playtime out of it. There's so many puzzles. Mm-hmm. There's so much thinking to do. There's there's so many little subtle things hidden here and there. And this, so this is a game that you're going to have to give your attention to. Oh, very much. Just so. kind of, yeah. Um, just kind of blow through it kind of thing. Yeah. 40 or 50 bucks at least. Um, so I, I realized, of course, that I forgot to give Nidhogg a reasonable price. Um, I would say that uh, somewhere in the, in the like, 7 to $10 range would be reasonable. Um okay. Because it's uh, yeah, it's it's like there, there's not a whole lot of of stuff in there, um, so I can see it getting repetitive if you're not like you know super into the um, just you know learning how to get your timing absolutely perfect um, kind of kind of challenge. Um, and luckily enough, so it's it's normally offered for fifteen dollars, so I wouldn't recommend getting it at full price. But right now there is a a uh, sale going on on the humble store. Where it is fifty percent off, so seven fifty. Do it up, and I think that's just perfect. And then you've got one more thing to talk about, right? Yes. So Hitman Go 
is um so if you don't know anything about the hitman series it's um normally the games are you know these these full um sixty dollar releases that uh um you know present you so you're you're um the the you play the role of agent forty seven who you know you you work for whatever crime syndicate and um um and so, so you're given like the goal of assassinating a person usually, and then you're just kind of put on this map and you can go about it any way that you think is, is, you know, is the right way to do it. So, you know, you could um, disguise yourself and walk around, or you can just kind of like go in guns blazing. Um, so it's, it's all about like player choice, right? Hitman Go is a, uh, a mobile, um, yeah, mobile title that is kind of themed after Hitman, but doesn't play the same way as as any of the other Hitman games, um, because it's so it's set up as like a board game where um, the the board is kind of overlaid on this this map of like uh you know of of a section of of a Hitman mission, right? So, for example, you might be going through um this this mansion to get to your target and each of the levels are kind of it's sort of it's sort of a puzzle right so you've got um your you know your little um hitman agent 47 figure and you can move him one space each turn and so there's you know they they give you like a a different shaped kind of grid of, of spaces that you can be on in each level. And the, the way that it becomes a puzzle is because there are guards placed, you know, throughout the, throughout each level. And you have to figure out which direction you want to go uh, and, you know, what order you're going to do things in to get past them all. Because if you, if you like put yourself one space in front of any of those um, guards, then they'll take you out. Um, but you can, of course, like take them out from the side or from from behind or whatever. Um, and they they have multiple different types of uh, enemies, uh, different types of guards. So some of them will just be stationary. Some of them will worth. Some of them will kind of walk around in a pattern. Um, one of the really interesting ones is guard dogs, which when you get two spaces away from them, will start chasing you. And so then they will follow whatever path you send Agent 47 on. Um, and so they, they, of course, add these different uh, types of enemies over time as you play through the game to make, make the puzzles more complex. Um, and each level has like, um, each level will have three different um, goals, right? So there's the base goal of just like completing the level. And then there's they'll usually have two other optional uh, goals like pick up a briefcase or kill all of the enemies or kill none of the enemies or you know that kind of thing. Um, so, so like the more the more of those goals that you complete, the faster you'll unlock the later chapters in the game. Um, luckily, the game doesn't have any types of like microtransactions or or um, you know anything like that you just you buy the game um and then you unlock all of the levels just by playing um so that's a good thing in its favor and the 
the puzzles are actually pretty interesting. Usually it's not too hard to figure out how to do the basic, just complete this level. But um, some of the, some of the other uh, optional, um, optional goals are pretty challenging to figure out. Good. Yeah. We always like good puzzles. Oh yes. Being that we just got finished uh, talking about the Talus principle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Weird. Yeah. And I'm, I just, you know, I've been having a good time with it. Um, I think, I think they've got like five or six chapters at this point, And each chapter has like 15 different, uh, levels in them. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the levels, the levels are, are pretty darn short, you know, that's just a, a small grid of, you know, okay. and you, and you go through that. Yeah. Um, so I'd say. Uh, reasonable price would be probably like five bucks. I'd spend five bucks on this game. Kids' seats are still just five bucks. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. At the Metrodome. Oh, nope, that's gone. No. <laughs> yeah, sad day. Well, you gotta do that. Well, fortunately, the, uh, the Saints are getting a new ballpark, actually. Right by where we're living, yeah. Exactly. So we should go and uh, and watch Saints games a lot. I'd be It'll okay be with that, especially because apparently Bill Murray hands out tickets every now and then to Saints games. What? Yeah, Bill Murray is actually invested in the Saint Paul Saints. That's crazy. <gasps> You're not pulling my leg right now, are you? Not at all. Wow, that's cr- that. That's awesome. I had no idea. He's not from. He's not from the cities, is he? Uh, nope. I don't think so. Hmm. All right. Well. Yeah. No. Let's see. Um, Bill Murray, team psychologist, a lifelong baseball fan. Bill has been a part of the St. Paul Saints since the team's inception in 1993. On opening night, he was stationed outside the ballpark selling programs and later tossed out a first pitch. The next night, he coached first base. He was in the coach's box again on August 10, 1997, when he played a major role in the biggest rally in team history. That night, the Saints trailed Sioux Falls 92 after three innings. With the pennant race in full swing, manager Marty Scott turned the third base coach's box over to Murray, who had been coaching at first base that game. St. Paul promptly began to rally, chipping away at the Canaries. It was 9-8 to eight in the eighth inning, with currently first base coach Lamar Rogers on second and Dwight Smith on third and two out when things really got interesting. Lance Robbins singled to shallow left. Smith scored easily, and Murray daringly sent Rogers home as well. Rogers barely beat the throw to the plate, and the Saints had a thrilling 10-9 victory, and the biggest come-from-behind win in franchise history. Among Murray's duties when he visits St. Paul, morale boosting and train spotting. Train spotting. Yep. Well, it's a good thing that uh, their new field is still kind of near some train tracks then. Yes. But yeah, no, he's actually a part of the St. Paul Saints. That's hilarious. Alright, so that's all we have time for this week, everybody. Not that we have a hard time limit or anything, but thanks for listening. This has been 8-Bit. I'm Ian Buck. I'm Ian Decker. And I'm Coralow. Signing off.
You like it when what? I like it when music people talk about music. You do or you don't? I do. Well, really what I like is when people who know what they're talking about talk about what they know. Fair enough. <laughs> like, I really enjoy it. Like, it sounds so good. We're never going to have an episode that good ever again. <laughs> yeah. We might as well just stop now, everybody. Last show. Static. Oh, oh, while I'm thinking about this, um, I have to tell you that my proudest moment uh, of commencement was... Um, so so one of my friends, Allison Wolf, uh, she lived right next door to me freshman year. Um, she was chosen as the commencement speaker, right? Right. And um, she, so in her speech, she was talking about how she had, you know, gone back to look at the Facebook page from her freshman year uh, uh, floor in, in the dorms. Um, and just, you know, to kind of let the memories wash over her again. And one of the things that she brought up, uh, that, you know, that, that was posted in there was our CA telling us that, okay, everybody, there's a tour group coming through today. So make sure that you dress properly this time. (laughs) And I was like, that was me. (laughs) I was referenced in her commencement speech. I've left my legacy on the college. (laughs) You was naked. Well, not naked, but almost. The idea was that they couldn't tell if I was naked or not. But we have Sounds another good. show to do immediately right now. So. Yeah. So you, you time to... for the studless show. I mean, we, we have special guests and everything today. Yeah. This is this is not the average studless show. We, we got a guest. Please tell me it's uh, Mr. Putnam. <laughs> no, we no, don't no. like him. It's always Mr. We Putnam. We have the general of the Hamlin Midway Volunteer Militia on. <laughs> what? Matt likes guns. Alrighty, have fun with that. Yeah, you too. Bye. Have a good one. See you later. I'll listen to you guys. Find out what all this was about. Yeah. Oh boy. Bye. Bye bye. Night. Hail Hydra. Bye. Kind of anti Hydra. Um. So before we get to the studless edition of this show, uh, I just wanted to mention some Guild Wars things. Oh, oh yes, gamer news. Yeah, gamer news. Okay, before you do that. In 1993, this batter batted 400 on the 15th night of his career, and he hit six home runs and made his debut as a pitcher. It's now time for the Studless Show. Nah, I got nothing I want to record, ever. I I put it in.